When you think of Australian-made fashion, a few brands might come to mind. But I bet that one of them is Ethical Clothing Australia accredited brand Q Clothing Co. Yep, it's safe to say that you've not only heard of Q and seen its stores, but you probably have one, if not a number, of the brand's quality garments in your wardrobe. Q is synonymous with ethical fashion in Australia. It's a champion for Australian-made fashion and prides itself as being at the forefront of design trends and movements. Known for its quality workwear and wardrobe staples, Q has been operating since 1968 and is still wholly owned by the founding family. From its first store opened in the Strand Arcade in Sydney, the brand now has stores in all major cities throughout Australia and New Zealand, crediting much of its 50-year success to its local production houses and their strong relationships with their makers. The brand became ECA accredited in 2009 after founder Rodney Levis made a conscious decision to actively showcase and promote Q's values. 11 years on, the partnership is still going strong and we're going to learn a bit more about that today. Today you'll hear from two women from the Q team, Executive Director Melanie Levis and Head of Design Kylie Parks. I'm Brittany Dreghorn. I'm the founder and editor at Brits List, an online publication dedicated to telling the stories of ethical and sustainable Australian fashion brands. And this is The Quick Unpick. Kylie from Q, welcome to the Quick Unpick. Hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you you for having us. You're so welcome. I'm going to start with a question for you, Kylie, uh, because you have what I imagine to be a dream job for many in Australia's fashion industry. What is a day in the life of a designer at one of Australia's most prominent fashion brands? Well, I do have to be honest. I often do have to pinch myself because I feel so lucky to be able to be creative every day as part of my job. So definitely feel lucky and to work with the incredible team that we have, the pattern makers and and through all layers within the company. It's just a wonderful team. But generally my day, I mean, it can change quite quickly. There's always a lot going on, but uh, I always start the day with a bit of Instagram. I find I like to tap into the world, what's happening culturally in art. So I'm not just looking at fashion, I'm looking at architecture I'm looking at all kinds of things music culture and that generally filters through into my design process Uh, I I will always be sketching for a couple of hours every day just new ideas and yeah so that that's probably the most exciting part of my job Um, as well as fabrics and prints often looking at new fabrics coming through new colors and yeah lab dip approvals with our fabric manager There's always fittings too. We're fitting every day, really perfecting our fit. That's really important at Q. And always thinking about the future, planning forward, like what's new, what does she she want next? That's definitely a question I ask myself every day. 
Yeah, I feel like there's so many styles that end up on your shelves, which are all beautiful. So I imagine there is just so much behind the scenes work that obviously goes into that, which you've just touched on. Something else that you said that was interesting, um, which I only hear from artists, is that you like your phone. Most people say their phone is like the worst thing in their life. Um, But I, I read something about it this week from like a comedian and then I've heard it from an artist and you as a designer you actually use it as a source of inspiration absolutely because as a designer we never really switch off like I'll be in bed and I'll have an idea or you know be inspired so often I will I I can't help myself I love keeping in touch with what's happening and definitely um, looking just in the world as a whole it definitely feeds into my designs it's not just about looking at you know like clothing it's it's yeah, art, culture, and that just seems to be, for me, the easiest place to tap into such a wide variety of inspiration. Yeah, so cool. Speaking of inspiration and trends, I guess, um, it's a question for you, Melanie, in terms of um, lots of luxury brands such as Gucci, uh, they're setting the trend of doing away with traditional seasonal fashion releases, um, kind of due to sustainability, but also the difficulty of doing runway events during COVID-19. Um, what does Q's calendar look like in terms of seasonal collections and how's that changing? Very interesting. Um The ethos of Q is delivery of fashion styles to store and online each week. So that actually hasn't changed for us. We've never been a brand that has gotten caught up in the runways. We don't really have um, a particular collection. We have our campaigns. So we have adjusted them accordingly. I would say the main way we have changed is how we're designing So that's what's changing most. Our ethos of delivery to store each week with fabulous new styles isn't changing. So we're still in that very fast-paced, it's very quick, it's reactive to the customer, quick to store, we can jump on things very quickly. Our campaigns have changed a little bit because I think in a pandemic customers' needs are changing. It's allowed us to reset, refresh a little bit and really pick and choose when we want to release our campaign. So we're not now beholden to the rest of the world, which I think is what we are seeing around the world, where, you know, traditionally um, your Myers and David Jones would release their campaigns on a certain date. So being in department stores, we would be a little bit beholden to that. We've decided to be a little bit more flexible. We can be a bit more independent. We can just go our own way a little bit more and it's quite refreshing. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And this is something we'll probably get into a little bit more later on, but has seen benefit in having its onshore manufacturing close during this time? Well, 100%. It allows us a quicker reaction. Um, we were able to pull fabrics out that were ready for manufacturing and we realised, you know, everything's about to shut down. Who's going to be wearing workwear? Mm. So we have been able to really, we've pulled out the fabric, Kylie and I working together with the rest of the team, and we've really redesigned things instantly. And then we can get that into production a lot quicker by working with our local manufacturers. It's a quicker-to-store turnaround. 
No doubt. Kylie, Q has been making fashion in Australia since uh, for more than 50 years and still manufactures a big part of each collection here. Can you walk me through that process? You touched on it a bit in terms of the part you play, um, but that process from design to dispatch. So it always starts with fabrics and colours at Q, and that's also a real benefit to us because we, we always have fabrics in our warehouse ready to go. And that's also part of the speed. So we always start with fabrics. Once we have our fabrics, we then start planning monthly drops as to, you know, making looks within each month with the fabrics that we have. From there, that's only at that point do I start designing ideas for the fabrics. Once it's designed, I hand those designs to the pattern room where they'll make twirls and patterns From there, we cut and sew samples in-house, which is great. We see things very quickly from sketch to garment. happens quite quickly. Once we have a garment, those uh, we'll review it in a design meeting. We'll generally have a weekly design meeting, which from that design meeting, the garments go into a buying meeting. And this is where Melanie picks up the ball and, and all the other parts of the company so from the buying meeting they place the orders that they would like to place for each store we decide what stores how many stores what department store and that's it, it's done like an order even though it's us designing it for particular things mm. sorry to no, no, that, that's right so once the order is placed we can then uh, perfect our fits and make any alterations to the patterns we then order our trims and linings and then it's over off to production for cutting and sewing And once it's all complete, it's then sent to our warehouse ready for dispatch. And so what, how long is that process? I mean, you're talking about the ability to be flexible. Um, Is that like, are you planning next winter right now? Like what's, what's that process like? Yeah. So we are generally, right now I'm designing for February product next year in store, but that's also uh, planning the fabric. So when it comes to our flexibility with being quick, like I mentioned at the beginning, the fact that we always have fabrics in our warehouse and we also commit to uh, zippers and linings, we have them here ready to go. So when we do want to speed things up, all of that's here. We can cut things very quickly. So production time is generally six to eight weeks. Mm. The planning starts before that, but in terms of once it's written in a buying meeting, we can turn around things to store in six to eight weeks. If it's a repeat and it's a winner, we will turn it around in four weeks. That's interesting because that kind of leads into my next question, which either of you are welcome to answer, um, because I figure that that is very much related to your onshore manufacturing. How do you decide what gets manufactured here versus offshore? So very... Interesting question. Um, The machinery has something to do with that. So every manufacturer has its own specialised strengths and weaknesses and techniques. So, for example, all knitwear is produced in China. Um, I don't think there's many knitwear facilities in Australia that have that skill set and workers that do that. Mm. And then there's different fabrics that they're more skilled at working. There's also... Um, quantities and volume we have the ability local to do less volume of things if you want larger volume generally offshore manufacturing have the capacity to do larger volumes mm-hmm. so like Melanie was saying it comes down to our relationships with our factories knowing their strengths and weaknesses 
also considering shape. So some factories are particularly good jacket makers. They have the best kind of fusing and the machinery. So all of that plays into. Which we actually treat them the same. Yeah. It's the same process. What a Q dress goes through exactly the same design process as um, a local and an offshore garment has the same love and attention. Just a different lead time. Yeah, for sure. So then what do you do to ensure that your offshore manufacturing is made with the same quality? So you're saying it is the same process, so that's interesting to know, and um, the same ethical standards as your onshore manufacturing. So I'm so glad you asked that because we actually are very proud of our offshore as well as our local. Um, We have visited all the factories ourselves the cleanliness there, we've taken photos, we make sure they're accredited for what they need um, so that everything is above board, particularly in the last 10 years. That's been very, very important for us as a company um, as the world wants transparency. Um, So we're really proud of our manufacturers. There's actually no difference in terms of how they work. They might have a different capacity, but in terms of working ethically, it's just as important offshore as it is locally. Um, We have built relationships with them. They too have their families. They too are family businesses. We've built up those relationships. They come and visit us all the time. They meet with Kylie. They work with the pattern makers. It's still our pattern. So it's very much an ongoing process in very much the same way local is. It does take a little bit more time, obviously sending samples they know what's required of them in terms of quality because we won't accept anything um, less than our standards of quality. The fabrics are the same. So whether they're fabrics imported from Europe, um, some we know are better made locally and some we know are good also you'll get a much better quality if it's, let's say, a slipperier fabric. We know we've got a great maker in China that can deal with that fabric really well and gets a beautiful finish. Not that our local one can't, but we just know, everyone's just got their strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. And we try and use that to our advantage. We've also worked with the same factories for quite a long time. So they've really, they know our process inside and out. And like Melanie said, it's exactly the same process. So we just design it a little bit further in advance. That's the only difference. Um, Kylie, a spokeswoman, uh, spokesperson from Q has described Q's manufacturing partners as its secret weapon, crediting them with enabling Q to achieve a high quality product, to experiment with design for different markets and to respond quickly to customer demand and international trends. What does this process look like in action? So, I mean, it's really about the quality of our manufacturing, I would say, for us. Um, It's all about yeah, being excited and our creativity. And, yeah, definitely it's all about quality. Like, I mean, I love the saying that they're our secret weapon. I actually love that you've said that because they are a secret weapon, but it is all down to our relationship with them that makes it so exciting because they love the fashion as much as we love the fashion. They get excited when they get to do a repeat and something's Mm -hmm. a winner. They get so proud and when they're... Um, garments are in the campaign they've got our posters up Mm. in their in their um facilities so they get just as excited with us yeah 
Awesome. And that leads into the next question as well, Melanie. The majority of Q's production um, that is local is made primarily by makers in Sydney, many third generation family businesses. How important are these relationships to the brand? Oh, I know, I know the fathers, the sons, the daughters. It is so important to the brand. We're a family business. Um, and I mean, that's what my father has built the business on is these relationships and this loyalty. And, you know, particularly in this pandemic, uh, like our first reaction was before JobKeeper and everything was if our stores shutter, how can our manufacturers just stop? You know, like that was the, the most heartbreaking thing, I, even for me personally and my family, was if, they, if they're not in business, we're not in business. So China was just opening up. So our main drive during that time was how can we trickle production through to our manufacturers just to keep everyone surviving. We just felt we had this responsibility to each other. So I'm not sure if you know, but we did some scrubs for St Vincent's and that was just a way of, you know, and then we were trying to raise money through St Vincent's so we could do some more so we could pay them. But at the time our stores were shut, and we didn't know what our business would look like. So it, it's so important. It goes hand in hand. And that is then back to being ECA accredited, which is why it's so important that the ECA is where it is and have um, founded this in 2010. I think that ability to pivot has really helped a lot of businesses uh, during COVID-19. So the fact that you could recognise that there was an opportunity there to help as well as helping out your manufacturers is just so positive. Um, I have a question for you, Kylie. I think this is really interesting. In 2018, you asked your customer database. At the time, it was about 300,000 people. How important it was that the clothes are ethically made in Australia um, and if they're happy to pay for that. What was the response to that? Well, Melanie and I were having a discussion about this before and it's really interesting. We're in a completely different world right now in 2020 with covid and even though the majority of our customers did respond and value the quality and kind of valued us seeing all people within our, our company, as whether it's head office or factories, treating everyone and every part of the business with, with respect, we feel like it's a different world right now. So it would be so interesting to do that again and to see how, how it swings. So are you saying you think that the response to that would be even more positive now even than it was then? We think that it would be a massive shift because it was the majority when we did it back in 20, was it 2018. In yeah. 2018, but we think now it would be an even bigger shift. Yeah, I'm certainly seeing an overwhelming um, support for Australian-made fashion, sustainable fashion, ethical fashion, just in um, people searching for it and landing on certain lists across my site. So seeing that, it, it's it's grown enormously. And even in um, Google Trends, I've seen the uptake of that uh, is ra has raised by about 100% in the last year. So it's clearly happening. So, yeah, it would be very interesting if you were to run that survey again so maybe you can do that and update us all once you have those stats. <laughs> we were actually discussing we're a 50-year-old, 51-year-old business now. So our demographic of our customer is quite vast, as you can imagine. So our long-term loyal customers 
I feel would be more aware of the ECA accreditation. However, now, as you yourself just said, with the consciousness and considered buying of the next generation, I think it will matter to them more now than ever, as the world is looking to be more sustainable, as Australia in a pandemic is being more considered in what they're purchasing and keeping things in Australia to keep the Australian economy going. I feel like more now than ever, we've got that chance to be proud of where we are and being accredited with ECA because I feel like that's the next generation now that can be educated on that where perhaps before they weren't. Definitely. And speaking of your ECA accreditation, Q's production has been accredited by Ethical Clothing Australia since 2009. How important is that ECA accreditation to Q and what benefits has it brought to the business? Oh, look, I think, I think as, as I just said, in this day and age to have accreditation, um, I think it's so important for the Australian economy to see the fairness of workers Equality is so important for all workers. I think it's important for everyone to know that we treat um, people that we're working with, that they have the same benefits as anyone does in head office, whether you're a head designer or whatever department you come from or being a manufacturer. And I think that's why the ECA has come into play because it was obviously needed in Australia. We've had a growth system. We've been in the industry for 50 years and it's time to be transparent. And I think as a company, we've always prided ourselves on being an honest, ethical company. And now we've got something to show for it. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's so it's so encouraging to see a leading brand like Q really embrace that accreditation because it just means that the whole industry can embrace that together. Um, so I think that's really positive. Agreed. <laughs> Kylie and Melanie, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Quick Unpick podcast. We have loved it. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. That was great. You're so welcome. See you later. The Quick Unpick is brought to you by Ethical Clothing Australia in celebration of the 20th anniversary of their accreditation program and inaugural Ethical Clothing Australia Week. This podcast is produced with assistance from the content division. Music is by Brisbane-based artist Sasha McLeod, also known as Psycho. That's S-Y-C-C-O. Catch the full first season of The Quick Unpick wherever you get your podcasts starting this October.